Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. I'm delighted to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. And uh, Pastor Josh and the eldership have really earmarked 2 Timothy 2 as a, uh, a banner chapter. A banner scripture for us this year to walk through as a body of believers. And it's a strong chapter. And uh, I know Pastor, Pastor Josh has been unpacking that over the last several weeks. And uh, I want to recap a couple of things out of that. I think it's something that is uh, powerful for us as we continue to walk through this year. And I'm going to read that, that chapter to you, 2 Timothy 2. It says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself." Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, 
in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Strong words and a lot in there about, again, the banner, another banner over our year of uh, looking at the stewardship of words, not only the words we use, the words that go out of our mouth, but the words that come into our life as well, the words we're listening to, the words we surround ourselves with, the words that we, the, the discussions or arguments and environments that we walk into, how do we steward that in a godly fashion? And I think this whole chapter is, uh, is just replete with Uh, keys and practical ways about how to do that. One, it talks about being diligent to present yourself approved to God. People say, well, God loves me how I am. Yeah, he does. He does. You know, like a parent, I can love my kids however they are, unconditionally. However, there's just a different joy in the relationship when we are aligned in heart and also the more we can align, I guess, in our behaviors, if we align in the way we discuss things, doesn't mean we all speak this, the same thing in the sense of we just parrot the same words, but there's, a, there's a, a unity of heart and spirit and alignment there. And it also talks about rightly dividing the word of truth, being diligent to present yourself approved to God. So do what you can. Rather than saying, well, people, will, you know, I am who I am. They can take me or leave you. They'll leave you. You know what I mean? I mean, we're, we're human beings, and the, the more we can be diligent to present ourselves under God. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, espouse or, or celebrate laziness. He actually says, hey, there's a reward in diligence, not only, and I mean, we see that in our practical life when people start to, you know, uh, make a decision to either learn a skill or to uh, apply their trade or to uh, upskill or, or work on maybe their health or maybe it's uh, uh, something that is going to set them up for a greater understanding or a job or an industry um, or even a relationship. Some people are like, I'm waiting for the right person. But they're clearly not because if the right person came along, they're in absolutely no state to meet the right person yet. And so that's why I think it's amazing when it says you can be diligent to present yourself, not to preen and uh, parade yourself for other people, but to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, if there's a rightly dividing, there must be a wrongly dividing. And, uh, and I think that's, again, another area where we need to be diligent. Then we're not just cherry-picking Scripture to go, well, that will fit my life but actually going, I want to rightly divide the word of truth. I want to be diligent so I can actually understand what it's saying to do, what it's saying not to do, not just in rules, but in spirit, in alignment, in understanding, in compassion. And I think it's very, very powerful. It goes on to say that other ideas and messages can spread like cancer. And we want our words not just to be something that is spread in a detrimental way, but imagine words that, again, in elsewhere in Scripture, that Jesus talks about words being seeds and that the whole kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed onto the ground. And so our words can be seeds of life. Our words can be seeds of ideas, encouragement, opportunity, uh, a, a spiraling life full of joy. D- does it mean there's no challenge? Absolutely not. Jesus said there'll be challenge. There'll be uh, difficulty in this life. He always said that, but he said, cheer up, I've overcome the world. And then the scriptures continue on, talks about how in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. 
And some people use that as an excuse to say, well, there's other people who have just been earmarked by God for more honorable things. And yet the scripture doesn't say that. It actually says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So I just see this undercurrent of this scripture is something of a response to us, a diligence and an honor back to God, giving us his He's redeemed our life, but then it's our choice if we want to give that back to him in a sense of honor and submission back to God so that we are not only cleansed, and again, in our own, I'm not saying our, our own works can get us cleansed, but as in our life, can be, there can be less things that can take us out and it can be a more purified life that is submitted to God, prepared for every good work and useful. I don't want to be useless. I want to be useful. I wonder if God needs something done. He can say, oh, actually, I could probably ask Christian to do that. He's, he's in a position where he could do it in, in whatever sense, rather than, oh, look, he's tagged himself out of the race there because he, he's not prepared and he's just a big mix of compromise. And so this, is, uh, this chapter is encouraging us to give something back to God, an honor of our life giving that back to him. It says, he doesn't say, well, God will flee you. He says, flee also youthful lusts. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Again, saying that we do this thing in community, saying we can pursue the things of God, not on our own to show some kind of uh, superiority to others, but it actually says to pursue these things with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I love how Pastor Josh last week said that there's something about being in community that protects you from yourself. Sometimes we think it's just the attacks of the enemy, but the, the, the biggest enemy that is uh, against the progress in your life, you can see him in the mirror. You are looking at that person in the mirror. Why? Because it, uh, submitted to God and his redemption, I'm not saying there's not challenge, but honestly, in the name of Jesus, then the forces of darkness will have to bow if you have your life submitted to God, honor him with your words. Your words are backed by the power of God's words and, uh, and you can move forward in that sense. And so I love that, yeah, being in community can protect you from yourself. And I know that for my life, that uh, the biggest uh, revelation, aside from who God is, is when I realize, and maybe in time in prayer, or maybe because of my wonderful wife who tells me, uh, when I start to go off track, when she's like, you know, you're spending a bit too much time in something that is a distraction. Or, you know what? You used to never do a certain thing and now I've seen that start to creep into your life. I take that as a great thing because I want to save me from the unredeemed version of me without God and without the, without the community of godly people that are actually there not only to safeguard but also to empower. And so it says that there that you can pursue these things, righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. None of us are good enough to make it by ourselves without God. And also, none of us should esteem ourselves good enough to be able to arrive without anyone else around. So many people in every sphere of life have thought their success they created, and it is this amazing coupling with being diligent to present yourself approved under God, and at the same time, knowing that all of our efforts aren't enough to see the fulfillment of God's will in our life, that still it needs His grace, His timing, His supernatural, but we can present to Him our natural and also 
to be a great example to other people. Again, that happens in community. Again, it continues on, it says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. Now, that is not talking about Facebook rants. It's amazing to me the people that come on out with uh, on Facebook and just try to, you're not the thought police. I'm not either, to try and fix everyone on Facebook. Uh, it's just not the right forum. It's like trying to, uh, you know, to a hammer, everything's a nail. And to someone who's got strife in their heart, everything they're trying to fix, but it always comes off the wrong way, especially on some of these uh, social media platforms. It's just not the right way. I mean, a lot of things, even in a great team, uh, still shouldn't be done over text or over social media. It still needs to be communicated. Literally today, I had some misunderstandings, just minor frictions between someone on a team that I am a part of. And uh, rather than just fire off another list of things, I thought, you know, I just, I just booked a Zoom meeting and said, hey, I just need to communicate to you uh, where I'm at. I'd love to get an update on where you're at. And again, the tone and the spirit of it was redemptive. It was empowering. It was supportive of each other. We became closer in our friendship because of it. And functionally, uh, it, it, it alleviated a lot of drama and just frictions and fuzziness simply by talking in a room. And so I would encourage you, even as a discipline to build, hey, I'm actually not going to try and correct someone on Facebook this week or uh, wherever it is, Instagram, because you know what? It, it, you may come off second best. And it says here that we're not, and again, we're not scared of a discussion. We're not scared of a debate. But it says to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And when we look at the fruit of things, I'm sure you can tell that uh, strife is the fruit of a lot of these weird and wild conversations and discussions and arguments online. I want to talk to you about God, you and others. The three parts of life. And when uh, I was thinking about this week, how Jesus, when he was probed, and it says in Luke 10, 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. I want to read it to you how it's, it's uh, written out of Matthew 22. It says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Sounds easy. Love God and love people. But I tell you what, it is very difficult. And it's even more difficult to do them both at the same time. And I, and I think usually we have uh, a preference You've either got those super spiritual people that they just want to keep loving God and spending time in His Word and worshipping, but they never leave, uh, again, out, outside of current context where maybe you're not supposed to leave the house, but they never leave the house. As in, they never get out there, do anything practical for anyone else. It's just all the woo-woo. It's just all God will do it all. And they can be lazy. Uh, they can be uh, uh, you know, useless. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they think what is going to solve their situation is just more time with God. And then there's the other people who want to love their neighbor. 
And that's the solution for everything. And they just want to be practical. And they're like, oh, I just can't be bothered getting to a church service. I just can't be bothered opening my Bible. I want to build a house with someone. I want to mow their lawn. And that's fantastic. But then when they get into a, a tight spot, then they think the answer is just to keep doing more of their preference. And I think this is why Jesus actually outlined both of them and said, this is actually going to be a tension. Because it's to do both at the same time, it's almost impossible in your human flesh. And that's why I think he's put these ideals as the goals. And the tension of both of them holds us balanced and holds us on track. And I think we all have a, in, in life, there's always a more impressive side. There's always a less impressive side. And there is an edge. So often, you know, maybe you're, you just love, love God and that's your default. You don't really want to love people. You want to love God. Well, I would encourage you, and this is the thing, not to do the other thing that you think is bad, but actually satiate your desire. Get what you want and then realize that that's not everything and you're going to need the other thing. Jim Carrey was quoted as saying, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Sometimes, we're, you know, especially in our um, discussions of God's Word and spiritual, it's like, don't, you know, deny yourself. But often it's almost like, well, if you love God, pursue that to the point where you realize, you know what, I, now I actually, you know, when you need another answer, you're like, you know what, or the next step, and God's going to probably, you're going to, pursue that until you go, you know what, I feel like I should, just another hour in prayer is not going to do it. I think I need to bake a cake for someone. I need to go and volunteer somewhere. And at the same time, it's a bit like muscles. You know, people are like, well, you should develop all your muscles. But if a kid just wants to get big biceps, keep berating on him all day. Don't just, don't just work your biceps. You've got to work your back. You've got to do this. You've got to have a robot. No, 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 no. Because he wants to get big biceps. But what a great way just to go, all right, mate, grow big biceps. And in that discipline and in the uh, exertion of that, and when he gets big biceps, once he gets that, he realizes, gee, they look weird now that I've got those big things and everything else is a twig. And so through the fulfillment of his preference, then he's going to go, oh, well, now, uh, you know, now I'm going to need to do a try. Now I'm going to need to do my delts. And now I'm going to do shoulders. And, and it'll round out once you actually get what you want. Who knows when you're hungry and someone says, well, there's something else you need to do. You're so conscious of being hungry that that's what you need first. Once you get that, you get context for everything else. And it's the same in God. You love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And it's, it's interesting. It's almost like we need it all. We need to love God, we need to love other people, and we need to love ourselves. It says, love others as you love yourself. God's, Jesus said that this is the whole gig, and it's like anything to do with money. You know, a coin, a coin, it's only, it's only spendable if it's got both sides. The cool side, the head side that looks like a head like every other coin, and then the edge. And if you've just got one side and you try and spend that, they're going to go, hang on a sec, that's not right. It's not, uh, it's not a full coin. And uh, you might be saying, well, Christian, I don't really use coins anymore. I don't use money. I use uh, cards. Well, you know, it's the same. There's a card. There's, a, you know, your ATM card. It's got the numbers on the front, which seems like the most impressive side. It seems like that's all you need. But if you don't have the old CCV on the back, if you don't have what the other side represents, then they're gonna go, you're going to be stuck. You can't actually, even though it might be your account, you can say, I've got all authority over it. Uh, you can only spend up to 100 bucks because you don't have total authority unless both sides make the whole thing work. And also that there's an, an edge on that thing. Same with some coins, you might go, well, there's a front and a back. But if the edge is clipped with the little grooves out of it, and that's what they used to do back in the day when the coins used to be actually gold and silver, they would clip little bits out of it to collect those shavings and actually make, you know, because they're worth something. So even without the edge, and it's the same, you've got to love God. 
with all your heart, soul, and strength, Jesus said, but at the same time, what's going to hold you on track to live an actual, practical, godly, spiritual life is to also love your neighbor and also as yourself. And so that's the front side, that's the back side, and that's the actual edge of leading a robust, godly life. We all have a public life, a personal life, and a private life. We all have uh, areas where we want to pursue our passion, which is easy. The thing you want might be the bicep. Then you'll want to pursue your preference, what's maybe the next easiest thing. And then you'll want to really, once you've got maybe a little couple of elements, same with your walk with God, and then you want to pursue the process. That sometimes you might be going, oh, I, want to, I want to work some area of life, I want to gain some financial strength. But then we realize that that's not everything. And then you need family. But then you realize just family with nothing to do isn't everything either. Or if you're all broke and there's no food. And so there's this exertion of different areas in life. And it spins together. And I want to tell you that, that Jesus' encouragement, that the greatest commandments of loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then loving your neighbor as yourself, those, you'll, you'll be torn one direction or the other. And I want to tell you that that's okay not to solve that, not to just go one way and deny the other, not to just go the other way and uh, excuse the other. But actually that tension is what Jesus has triangulated for us to hold us on track in the middle, reaching out for eternity, pursuing God, but also being practical as in helping other people and at the same time loving ourselves, saying, God, under you, I'm accepted. Under you, I am loved. And uh, I think that that is such a powerful, uh, whatever you want to call it, triage, powerful triangulation of life that is going to hold you, not to solve that tension, but actually to keep holding you on track, to keep you running full pelt and right directly forward into the plans and purposes and pursuits that God has for your life. I want to pray for you this today. Father God, I thank you so much. Each, every person connected with my voice today, Lord, connected with this message, connected with your word, Lord, that we gather together. And Lord, I just thank you that you've empowered their life. Lord, you love them. And God, maybe some of the difficulties that have said, oh God, it's always, prayer's always worked for me. It feels like I'm getting numb. That's because Lord, you're actually showing them that God, there's other areas. It might be time to get up from prayer and starting to help someone else. It might be time to get up from prayer and actually do something with, uh, give other people something practical, help or finances or food. And God, for the practical, so they're saying, Lord, it's always been the answer, but it just feels like I'm getting numb and it feels like nothing else is working. God, I think you might be tapping them on the shoulder to say it's time to actually pray. Or maybe it's not time just to do other, help someone else build a fence, but it's time to open your Bible and spend some time with God. And I thank you, Lord, that that, God, the, the, the words that Jesus have held us on track, Lord, and we, we pursue forward with it. The greatest commandments, Lord God. Lord, to lead this robust life. And Lord, I thank you. You empower your people. Lord, you love your people. And God, today, I thank you that you speak to each one of us, Lord, exactly the next step. God, if our preferences become numb, well, then I think it's actually time to reach over to the other side of that tension and strengthen and round out our life. So Lord, we just thank you. It is the day that you've made. We do rejoice and we're glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.